Hi, hey, hello, welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. But until we get there, thanks for stopping by. I am your host, Josh, and uh, today we're going to talk about some... uh, We're going to talk about some stuff. I got stuff on my mind that I want to talk about, so let's go. Um, So, I personally really enjoy podcasts. I listen to them quite a bit. Um, But recently, I have kind of fell off of the podcast trend, um, at least listening to them. And I've started to begin spending most of my time listening to, like, audiobooks. So today I was, you know, driving and listening to some podcasts, and something that struck me was there is genuinely so much to get caught up in, whether it's, you know, different struggles here in the United States, whether it's events and awful, you know, actions that are happening all over the world, whether it's climate crisis, whether it's, you know, mental illness, whether it's poverty wages and things like that, there is just genuinely so much to be thinking about, to be concerned about on a day-to-day basis. And to some, it can seem extremely overwhelming. I mean, I don't know how anyone gets very interested in these topics and, and, you know, wants to become an advocate or an activist to start breaking down these structures. Nobody does that without hitting burnout at some point, without feeling like shit, about having to constantly consume all this media, about the worst of the worst that's happening all over the world. But something that I see in a lot of different spheres, whether it's, you know, on the conservative side, the liberal side, the quote-unquote leftist, and even in some cases those who call themselves socialist, uh, Marxist, anarchist, and that is we like to pick and choose the things that we like to be concerned with, right? That's normal. Um, A lot of us have our own personal issues which we have to face, and therefore if there is a struggle that connects us in that way, Um, being that we have personally experienced it, then yeah, we're more likely to focus on a struggle like that than whatever else. Um, But there's a complacency that sets in amongst most people where they've come to a point where all they want to do is talk about why everything right now is bad. Now, that's important, especially to folks who do not see the big picture here and don't see why or what it is that's truly going wrong here. But, you know, I listen to so many different podcasts. I listen to so many different YouTube channels and they're all talking about what's going on right now, which is incredibly important. But what I think that a lot of people aren't doing is not organizing, analyzing the situation, not thinking about things in a future, uh, a a hopeful and kind of building mentality. Um, And again, this is not, this is not to say this is a detriment or a a mistake of these people, but I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about ideology and I want to talk about these ideas of the base and the superstructure. So, the way that we view the world, the, our belief systems, the perspective that we have, the ideals, values, and ethics we hold true, these are things that shape our ideology. So what is ideology? Well, ideology, based off of just the strict you know, prefix, suffix, base word, you got the study of ideas. So ideology 
is not simply just a belief system, but it is an analytical belief system which studies ideas and comes to concrete decisions on those ideas, whether these ideas are correct, incorrect, whether they're, you know, <clears throat> half correct and need to be adjusted, uh, whether they apply to everyone or only some people, whether these ideas are going to get to the very core of a problem or if it's just going to deal with a symptomatic issue that stems from a larger causal issue. Ideology is something which many people completely disregard. Um, Many of us kind of have our ideas, our beliefs, our values, our morals kind of shaped by those outside of us. Um, We have folks who, whether it's parents, whether it's siblings, peers, teachers, etc., You have folks who, because of your relationship with them, because of the importance you put on the words that they say, the actions that they do, we begin to mimic our environment. This is kind of a human trait. Um, And we kind of fall into line to some extent. But that causes conformity in a lot of ways and in a lot of things where it shouldn't. I was talking to my homie yesterday and he was telling me, he's like, I'm just the buzzkill now at parties because he was saying they were watching some YouTube compilation, like funny video meme compilation. And one of the videos came up and apparently it was a a man and, you know, you'd think their partner and they um, were in a car and she gave him the wrong directions or whatever and he turned around and just starts berating her calling her stupid or whatever and my homie told me he just turns to the party of like 10 15 people and he's like oh word that's what's funny now berating women and and just completely you know dismantling them and and just verbally and emotionally abusing them that's what's funny now right and just made it hella uncomfortable for everyone But that's because in that situation, a lot of us become bystanders. A lot of us probably have heard of the bystander effect. But ultimately what that is, is you not allowing yourself to risk being whatever to call out whether it's sexism, racism, homophobia, abuse, etc. Because of your own safety, your own comfortability. The amount of times that I have been present where jokes have been made, things have been said that I really wish I would have called out, because if I knew my friends who are black, or my friends who are gay, or my friends who are trans, if I knew that they heard that and I didn't stand up for them, I know they would immediately think I'm a piece of shit. And that's because I am. When you don't stand up for other people, especially as individuals who say that we care about people outside of us, we care about the masses, we care about folks who are oppressed, then we cannot continue to support jokes, you know, one, whatever. We can't support anything that perpetuates racism We can't support anything that perpetuates uh, sexism. We cannot support it because here's where the ideology comes to the front. The best thing that you can say to people when they make racist jokes, when they make, you know, transphobic comments, just pretend like you don't understand it. Just be like, wait, what? I'm confused. Because then they have to go on their heels and try to explain to you why sexism is funny or why racism is funny. We don't normally have to think about these things because in the broad scheme of things, most folks support, at least passively, racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, because that's the, that is the accepted belief system uh, for a majority of people. That is the awful reality that we live in. 
that is due to years and years of religious conformity, that is due to years and years of colonial settlerism, that is due to years and years of oppression, of racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia that has not been corrected, that has not been broken down and reinvigorated into something which is not so oppressive and so supportive of an overall uh, oppressive system. The ideology which most Westerners take is an individualistic and a kind of consumer ideology. We see the world for things that we want, that we want to have, that we want to do. And ultimately what it comes down to is what I say is law. Whether that's an opinion we have on a political event, whether that's us trying to tell someone something about the coronavirus, which we don't know what we're talking about, but we demand that we're right. Or some ever third option, you know what I mean? Ultimately, what we have in the West is a belief that because it's my opinion and because I have some form of freedom of speech, which I don't actually understand what that means, but we'll throw that aside, I can say whatever offensive, awful shit, I can do whatever offensive, awful shit I want to do because this is the land of the free. I am an individual in an individualistic society. And therefore, my ideology is going to be shaped by that. The way I see the world is going to be shaped by that. When we begin talking about things like communism and socialism, so many folks on the West, even those who call themselves communists and socialists, do not even have a full grasp on these theories, on these kind of psych- or, uh, philosophies which are so foreign to a Westerner's mind. When you talk about things like collectivization of farmland, or you talk about things like ending, abolishing private property, when you talk about things like ending capitalism, Westerners go through a few cycles of emotions. First and foremost, confusion. Because genuinely, none of us know anything about these things. We have to spend so much time uh, learning about why all of our beliefs are incorrect far before we can even learn correct ideas broadly. And then as the Marxist theory of knowledge would have us know, you start with a general idea and then you go into a certain specific about that idea. uh, So if it's the general idea is Chinese history and then the specific thing is the anti-Japanese wars, that would be, you would start at the general knowledge, you would get to the specific knowledge, and then you would dive back out and start to learn more about the general knowledge, but now with more information, with a deeper perspective, with a different understanding of situations, and that's how you begin to learn a full uh, idea rather than kind of being dogmatic or one-sided and just saying, well, so-and-so said this is right, or I feel like this is right, so I'm not going to investigate it any further. Um, We have to be learning ourselves to do true investigation. We have to be learning ourselves how to analyze ideas, political situations, um, decision-making moments. We have to be able to, on a dime, properly analyze these things and be able to understand them in a way which allows us to be the masters of them. So if we understand politics only in the sense that there's the Democrats and the Republicans and once every four years we vote, Well, that's a pretty general understanding of politics, and it's not very much accurate either. But if you don't go on investigating that, well, then, you know, you are sitting at a point where you are dependent on that system for your freedoms, for your liberties, and for your kind of home, 
And yet, these things are not even true in the sense that you believe them to be. So this is why we have to go further and we have to investigate on our own because we can go on believing things for our entire life which are incorrect. Um, I deal with this with my parents and my grandparents all the time. You can support something that is incorrect your whole life. And if you never put yourself in a situation where that belief gets questioned, then of course you're going to believe you're right. If you're a white supremacist and the only people you ever talk to are white supremacists, then you're going to go on believing that white supremacy is a correct belief system. When in fact it is not, and you will never know that because you never put yourself in situations or a, a opportunity where you can be checked, where you can be told you're wrong, and you have to investigate that. Because here's the thing, the best way, like I said, to get all these different pieces of shit, racists, etc., to start having to question their ideals is in a public situation, embarrassing them, calling them out for the bullshit that they say, and making them in that moment have to go, wait a minute, most people usually laugh at this. Why, why are they not laughing? They have to go ahead and try to make that connection, which does not connect. Because saying, you know, racism is funny, that's not true. So when you sit there and try to defend it, you're trying to connect two opposite ends of a magnet. And it's just, you just look stupid. So then you got to start doing that shit to your racist friends. You got to start doing that shit to your sexist friends. You got to start calling people out. Um, but where I wanted to go with this is because the ideology here in the West is so backwards for what we need it to be to be able to build socialism, to be able to introduce Marxism, to be able to work on the restructuring of society that is so desperately needed. So where do we start? How do we start on something like that? What are we trying to teach people? Well, I think first and foremost, in whatever size groups that you can, whether that's individuals and, you know, individual conversations you have, whether that's small group meetings that you have with friends where you try to, like, do a little teaching, or you go, you know, and you try to organize your community, and then those settings you try to bring on the ideas that, individualism and kind of this mentality that capitalism is eternal um, and everything that surrounds that morally ethically and you know the way in which that ideology surfaces itself and the ideas that it perpetuates we have to start there we have to start with breaking down the ideas the belief systems and the values morals and ethics which we hold true today. One philosopher who taught us about this among many is Rene Descartes. And although I don't support everything that he said because just like many before him and many to come after him, he was an idealist. But one thing that he really brought to the fore is this question that what is it that I can support just outright? What can I believe upon investigation that does not have a counter which I can also believe. He's the guy who said I I what gee, I think therefore I am. Um uh, his whole basis of that kind of statement was the fact that okay, I can't 100% believe anything. I can't 100% know everything because ultimately I am not someone who is able to prove everything. So the one thing that he said, he was like, I, I, um, I can know for sure that I am conscious and because I am conscious, I can think. We live within our brains. You know, we can all say, well, I think. Whatever we think that thinking is, we can each say that we have the ability to do so. Every other one of our beliefs, you should be questioning.
here we see something which most people do not do, which is on their own, go through each one of their beliefs, go through their morality, analyze their ethics and values, and try to come to a conclusion about whether the things that they believe can be held as true, or do I have to drop one of the things which I believe or stop believing it because it has been proven incorrect? But here's another level to that question. Even if you can prove to someone why something they believe is incorrect, you can logically dismantle their argument and present them with counter information which is more logically sound than their own argument, then to that extent, you have disproven them. But that doesn't mean that they're going to sit there and go, oh, you're right. Most people don't admit when they're wrong. So even if you can make them seen, even if you can present in public why they are incorrect, that that doesn't mean they're going to go ahead and start not believing that. You know, the amount of times that you could tell someone who's extremely racist why their beliefs aren't true, until you get them in a situation where they're uncomfortable enough that they have to change their mind, and they end up feeling that it's beneficial for them to change their minds, that's when they'll change their mind. So here's the thing. We have to make people understand that their beliefs right now in capitalism their beliefs right now in the faux pas democracy which we have in the United States and most of the West, they have to see why imperialism does not benefit them other than the sense that you now have these consumable goods. But look at this. Here in the pandemic, we see massive inflation, not an increase of minimum wage. You got the rent moratorium that's going up. The unemployment has been slashed. And what do you see? These consumable goods don't benefit anyone because we can't fucking afford them. And even if we can, you know, the food that we can eat is half filled with bullshit. The toys that we want to buy for our kids are plastic pieces of shit that break. The cars that we want to buy are double the price that they were this time last year. And what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do to say, hey, listen, you built an entire economy off of service and consumption and nobody can afford to work service jobs because you only pay minimum wage and nobody can afford to buy shit in the store because you che- you keep increasing the prices. So eventually, and I don't know when it's going to be, but eventually this shit's going to collapse. But before then, we want people to know that it is going to collapse. We want people to know that it's beneficial for this system to collapse. We have to let people know that the only way that it's going to collapse in an effort uh, or, or in a manner which is going to benefit them is if they themselves take part in the collapsing, in the destruction of the capitalist and imperialist mode of production. But why? Well, the most sound argument you can give a person is the difference between the mode of production under capitalism and the mode of appropriation. So you have a mode of production which is socialized. We each work together, whether it's in different factories, in different storefronts, in different mines, in different distribution centers, whatever. We, the working class, are the ones who are interconnected by our direct involvement in the working in the production of commodities. The production, distribution, and consumption, I should say. We build these things. We sell these things. We make these things. However, we as a group, the working class, do not appropriate the funds from that production. So when you and I work in a Ford factory and in a day we put together 20 cars we will not be making the money off of those cars we will not be selling 20 cars for $35,000 and pocketing that money equally amongst ourselves no the capitalist owns the factory he owns the production company he owns the parts 
He owns the mine where you can find the resources which go into producing the parts for the cars. And so he himself, after we do everything for him, we take the mi- we take the resources out of the mine. We take those resources and put them on a transport. We transport these things to a different place. We take those resources and refine them. Then we take those refined resources to a factory which produces the parts. Then we take those parts and assemble them together to create commodities which then are sold. And we are not paid out of this lump sum. We are paid a wage, which is, as it stands, the minimum amount of money which you, as a human being, can afford to live on in the sense that not you're going to get everything you want or need, but in the sense that you will show up to your next shift. If I pay you this much, I know that you will have barely enough money to eat, to have housing, to have clothing, to have gas, etc., to get back here for your next shift. That's all they care about because that's what makes them money. And if they're only paying you the minimum, that's what makes them the most money. So the difference between the mode of production, which is socialized, and the mode of appropriation, which is individualized amongst uh, capitalists and other private property owners, there is a direct contradiction between that. We are producing everything, but we are not seeing the lump sum of our production. So what needs to change? What do we do here to correct the ideological separations between people who live in that environment, you, myself, and every other working class member, yet do not understand why this is incorrect, why we need to change that, how we can even change that, can it even be changed? We do not go into any social investigation like this because since day one, we've been told it's not a possibility. We can't do this. Capitalism is natural. The human, uh, uh, um, the human spirit is greedy and therefore we can't expect anything's going to change. Everybody is selfish, da 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 Well, that is an ideology which has been purported, been created, and then it has been cultivated by a structure, a.k.a. the base of our society, which then perpetuates that forward because it's benefiting to the people who believe and support that ideology. Again, like I said earlier, we live in a white supremacist society here in the United States. This country was founded on the extermination of indigenous people and the enslavement of African people. That is what created a white supremacist society which believed all white Europeans were pure and everyone else was savage, including women who were even white. So this system, this white supremacist system, benefits people who are white, male, and perpetuate these belief systems. It even benefits the people who just support them who are not a part of the class, which is actually benefiting from this perpetuation of white supremacy, because they themselves have convinced themselves that, hey, if I am nicey-nice to whitey, Maybe he'll help me out. Maybe she'll help me out. That's not how it works, y'all. That's never how it's worked. That's never how it's going to work. We have to break down these backwards and oppressive ideologies all the way, all the way. Break them all the way down, burn them, slash them, throw them out, and rebuild anew on top of that, something better. But then we have new questions arise, which is, how do I do this? the best way possible because you know we're kidding ourselves if we don't recognize the impending doom which climate crisis uh capitalist overproduction and exploitation um all these different systems which are still in place which ultimately need to be broken down how do we go about doing this in a manner which is not going to take so long that we all just die from climate change before any of this is able to be kind of acted on? Well, we got to start with kind of, you know, clear conceptions which can, in a logical fashion, present 
counter information, which then these people on their own have to reckon with. We can't expect, and excuse me here as this door opens, it's going to be loud. We cannot expect that just by simply putting ideas in front of people's minds, that they're just going to ultimately change. We have to also present people with different realities. You know, if you as a person want to go down to, you know, a homeless shelter and just talk about why they should be communists, well, you're probably not going to have many listeners. But if you go down and you talk to these people about their lives, you talk to these people about their experiences, if you talk to these people about wanting to help them in whatever way you can, and then by going the next step, which, you know, most people do not take it to, most people just want to say they care, but not actually do anything to prove it, you go down and you start handing out food, you start handing out clothes, you start handing out PPE, you start handing out shit that people need, and you start changing their reality, you start contradicting their belief that everybody hates me, nobody's gonna help me out, um, I'm a piece of shit. You know, the way that houseless people are presented to the broad society reflects back on them, and then they internalize these feelings. Most of what you see amongst oppressed people is a belief that they deserve the oppression that they are suffering. Or in the least case, they can't do anything about it, so why bother? And that is so depressing because so many people are hurting and oppressed and struggling in so many different ways. So first and foremost, we have to be able to give them something to believe in. And you know, a lot of times it's not so simple as just putting words in front of their faces. You got to organize. You got to get down and say, all right, shit. I want these people to recognize that we can end capitalism. We can break down these structures, these belief systems, these awful, 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 you know, white supremacist, uh, all kinds of things which are in place in society, which even if someone themselves is not a racist, a sexist, etc., they most likely are going to perpetuate those ideas by simply, you know, existing and not recognizing what they are doing to perpetuate those ideas. So we got to start there. We got to start showing people that we're real. We got to start showing people that we mean it. We got to start showing people why we mean it. Because if we just sit there, okay, for the next five years, we're going to go down and feed people food, right? That's great. And we want to be feeding people. We should never put ideological struggle in front of either political or social struggle. We should not sit here and just try to proselytize communism, just trying to convince people that if you don't believe in socialism, communism, etc., well, then something's wrong with you. And ultimately, you know, I'm just going to berate you as to why you are incorrect. That's not going to win everybody. That's not going to win anybody over. You know, that's just going to dig people into their beliefs. So you got to get with people. You got to show them that you see them, that they are human, that you care about them. And you got to listen to them. Even when they're wrong, you have to take in what they're saying. And you have to show them, again, that they are human, that they are deserving of fair treatment. So if we are able to start there and start actually changing people's reality, changing people's way that they see reality, then from there, we have to connect that to a larger structure. So, okay, we go down and we feed houseless people for two, three years, right? But at no point do we say to these people, hey, I want to talk to you about kind of why it is that so many people have to suffer from this houselessness can i can i please you know discuss with you something uh like that and just 
you know, in, in the easiest way you can, just present them with the ideas, present them with the knowledge that, in fact, capitalism is a system which benefits from having houseless people. Capitalists benefit from having houseless populations in their city. They don't want you to know that, but if they know that most people can't afford their apartments, that means that they get to protect themselves about the, from those that they claim or deem as non-deserving. And they get to make a nice little pretty penny out of it, too. In the same way, capitalism benefits from never having full employment. If we have full employment, then that means that you can't drive down the wage, and it also means you have less chance of capital being in charge or being in control of labor. Whereas we, as workers, are kind of subjected to certain shit situations, such as not being able to afford rent, food, clothing, a car to get to your work, etc., because we do not have work, or we make a shit wage. And because of that, we are kept within a certain class strata. We are not able to make our way out of the working class, because the only thing that's keeping us going is our ability to work. So if you're always working, if you're always only able to make a wage, you're always going to be caught in that spot. And not for nothing, that wage is very rarely going to go up because if you say anything, if you unionize, if you go on strike, well, they'll bring in scabs. They'll bring in unemployed people who haven't been making a wage this entire time and now need a job. They'll bring in anybody. Because if you have a country such as the United States that has, on average, a 5% unemployment rate, that's millions of people who every year are just waiting for any opportunity to make some money. So now you have competition. Now you have competition among workers, which pins us against each other. This cannot, this cannot be something which we can support. So we got to show these people who are in these oppressed situations that A, we care about them and we're here to actually help them. We're not like the evangelicals. We're not like these groups who come down and say, listen, we're going to help you, but only if you fit into our tiny little box and do what we say and repeat what we say and believe in what we believe in. No, we got to get down to these oppressed people and say, listen, you need help. And I'm here to help. But don't go down there and say you need help from me because I'm amazing and you folks are all just, you know, oppressed and lazy, da 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 da. No, we got to go into these situations humbly. We have to go into these situations and know that we are not the smartest person here. We are not better than these people because we are communists or we are socialists or we are anarchists. So, we cannot go into these situations and look down on people for not having the same beliefs that we do. <coughs> like I said, we're not the evangelicals, so let's not act like it. So once you do this and you start showing people that they can trust you, that you know they can believe you when they say that when you say that you care, well now you have an opportunity to have more deep conversation. So maybe now you take those opportunities, which before you didn't want to jam something down somebody's throat who you don't even really know. So now you take these opportunities where you know these people and you start having these serious conversations with them. And the first place you want to start with these conversations is simply connecting the dots, saying, listen, I know you're struggling with this, but it's not your fault. And it's not anyone's fault. The only person whose fault it is, it's the assholes who keep this system in power. Because there are people, like I said, who this system benefits. But it is not the majority. That is the fantastic thing about socialism. And 
the most condemning thing about capitalism. Since its very onset, it has never and will never support the majority. It has never and will never benefit the majority. It has and always will be a system of a few and very few at that individuals being able to get what they want through their own possession of everything that you need to get whatever you want. And because we don't own it, we're never going to get it. So how about that? So you start connecting these dots in that way to show people, listen, I'm not some crazy maniac. I'm not some conspiracy theorist. I'm not some just miserable asshole who wants to complain about everything. And you hit them with the base. The base of the issue is the economic issues. And it is that way, not the social issues, not the ethnic or national issues, not the religious issues, but the economic issues for this reason. We talked about it already. Because we have a certain mode of production wherein we produce everything, we are the reason why there is anything on the shelves. We are the reason why there's any food in any one of our stomachs because somebody somewhere who was paid a pittance wage, somebody somewhere who was not in ownership of the uh, of the materials that they were producing, or I guess I shouldn't say materials, the, uh, Jesus Christ, the products that they were producing, they were not in ownership of the land they were producing it on. And so all this perpetuates the dependency on the capitalist class. We, as the working class, have no ability to survive unless we're working. You have the capitalist class, which owns capital, owns the means of production. And then you have the working class, who they themselves, their labor power, is capital. We eat or we have a home, or we have clothes on our back because we work, we make money, we make a wage. So the reason why that is the base and not the social issues, according to Marxists, is because that is the mode of production. And according to Marxists, the class struggle has always been between the ruling class and the working class, in a sense, but ultimately it's between the mode of production and the mode of appropriation. You have early, early communal societies. Mode of production, communal. Mode of appropriation, communal. Eventually, you got folks who wander outside of that and start having individual agricultural practices. Now you got an individual mode of production, but a communal mode of appropriation. Well, that's not going to work. So now you got a class struggle. You got a class struggle through the majority and the minority. And once the majority switches from the communal to the individual, well, now the majority becomes the ruling class to a sense in the same way that the working class today, the majority of workers and non-workers who are in the non-ruling class strata should be in power but are not because of our lack of organization. In the same way, you have these individual agricultural uh, uh, practices, which eventually win out because that's what the majority is doing. That's what's benefiting the majority. So they have different kinds of social and ideological revolutions. But the first thing to change was the economic. And this is true if you go further into slave society, if you go further into feudal society, and if you go from feudal society to capitalist society. This is the way in which history and human development has progressed. So Marx and Engels, through their deep analysis, right, and deep investigation of their own ideas, because Marx was a Hegelian, he was an idealist, at least in word, Angles had no fucking clue about philosophy for a while until he became older. And both these people came from non-communist backgrounds. So you got to figure that they had to break down their ideas 
just like we did, and they had to progress forward through learning a general idea, learning a specific part of that idea, coming back, learning more about the general, just like we do. And that's because ideas don't stem from geniuses. They stem from material reality. Ideas are our sensual perceptions of the world around us. <coughs> our ideas come from the same way that any of our thoughts come from. So if you think that you're some genius because you know something that somebody else doesn't, check your ego. Because guess what? You just know something which is empirically true or empirically false. And you won't know until you do some kind of investigation about it. But if you do some investigation about it and you come out to be incorrect, then guess what that means? You're not some genius. And most of us aren't. Most of us hold on to some pretty backwards ideas, some pretty incorrect ideas. And we don't do anything about it because, again, it benefits us in some way. So here's all I'm trying to say. We need to focus on the ideological struggle in the sense that that is where a lot of people, especially in the West, are hung up. But before we can do that, before we can make that our sole focus, we must begin connecting already existing struggles to the class struggle. We must be showing people who are fighting for black liberation why black liberation cannot happen outside of a capitalist system. We need to be talking to trans folks and queer folks about why queer oppression and trans oppression is a part of the capitalist ruling class system. We have to understand how to connect these things to the larger struggle to be able to unite more and more people on the same grounds fighting the same fight. Because if each one of us is saying, well, you know, I'm fighting for this cause and someone over here is saying, well, I'm fighting for this cause and someone over here is saying, I'm fighting for this cause. If they never realize that their enemy is the same enemy, they might start fighting each other. And we've been doing enough fighting each other here in America. We've been doing enough fighting each other here in the world. Us as working class people, whether we are white, black, brown, indigenous, whether we are straight, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, whether we are A, B, C, D, E, F, G, through all, no matter what our walk of life is, as long as we are not a member of the ruling class, we must be fighting to unite, and we must be fighting to unite our struggles. We must be fighting to unite us as a class, because here we see that the proletariat is the majority. The working class is by far the majority, and it is growing every day as far more people fall out of the petty bourgeois uh, class, as more people lose their jobs, as more people get sick and die of COVID, as more people get pulled into the oppressed side of the oppressor and oppressed relationship, the more opportunity we have for uniting the class of working and non-working oppressed people who then can take the power, which is its numbers, which is its unity, which is its ideological correctness, which is its willingness to die because we're already dying anyways. And we need to have a socialist revolution and we need to do it before the earth dies. So we got to be starting right now. We got to be spending every day having conversations. <clears throat> educating ourselves, going and feeding people, going and handing out personal protective equipment, going and trying to meet with folks who are losing their apartments and try to organize them in a ten tenant union and go and cause fucking problem at your local city hall. Get people fucking angry because there is so much to be angry about, but get them angry at the right person so that we can do the right thing once and for all and start working on rebuilding our society in a socialist manner and working towards true communism. If you're still listening, I appreciate you very much. <clears throat> if you wouldn't mind, something that would really help me get a lot of new listeners, which is ultimately why I do this show, is to be able to talk to as many of you as I can. 
so that, you know, we can build relationships so you can learn from me, I can learn from you. Um, and this is why I oftentimes ask people to reach out to me on my social media and on my email. But before I talk about that, if you could, if you like the show, if you like what I have to say for whatever reason, if you could just real quick go on to Apple Podcasts. And yes, it only does this on Apple Podcasts as far as I'm aware of. So if you're listening somewhere else, you know, don't don't <clears throat> don't feel you got to download anything for me. But if you'd be so willing to, if you could go on Apple Podcasts and under my show, give me a five-star rating because, wow, do you know I'm so deserving of it. <laughs> no, but actually, if you don't do a five-star rating, it doesn't do the same thing. So it doesn't go into the algorithm the same way. But if you do a five-star rating and then leave a little review, um, Nathan on Mark's Madness asks people for recipes. Um, you can comment fucking whatever you want. As long as you give me a five-star review or a five-star review and then leave a review, like a written review, it's going to put me into the algorithm with more reactions. And therefore, it's going to allow my show to pop up as recommended on more people's feed. And ultimately, it'll get me being able to talk to more people and building this community like I want to be. Um, this is one way that I'm trying to organize and as much as I love having 30 listeners, I'd love to have 60 listeners because we might be able to do something there. We might be able to do something with 30. We, you know, this is the thing is like when you start recognizing that together we're powerful, you start coming together and doing stuff. So please do that if you feel so inclined. But if you don't and you want to, you know, whatever, you can follow me on my social media. I have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Um, you can reach out to me on there if you want to talk to me for whatever reason. You can also hit me up on my email at indefensiveliberation, no caps, no spaces. You can also find my blog at forliberation, again, no caps, no spaces, dot wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E, dot com, forward slash website. Um, I got some written stuff on there so you can check that out but thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it i hope you learned something um and i hope to see you next time stay safe and stay revolutionary folks um enjoy the rest of your day and as always uh we'll see you next time peace